Ulterior. Just to be transparent, and I love using that word transparent because I guess it feels like I'm doing something good with my life by being honest and open. I don't know. Um, to be transparent, if the audio for this episode sounds any different than it has recently, it's because I have my AC on in the background, so I do not know how much of that the microphone is actually picking up. Um, it is getting to the point now in the year and the season and the weather, whatever, where it's not feasible anymore for me to operate in the room that I'm in without some kind of additional airing. So yeah, just bear with me on this for the next, I don't know, seven months, maybe around October, I can turn this shit off. Uh, but anyways, for this particular episode, we're going to be looking at new singles from the likes of Avoid, Boy With Uke, Ozasha, Lights, Machine Gun Kelly, a couple of others we'll get through, and then brand new records from Breathe Atlantis, Hot Water Music, Joshua Travis, and Overgrow. So, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy this episode. I have said this before ad nauseum on the show. Um, the State of the Scene podcast is one of the biggest reasons why I even decided to pursue being some kind of a figure who reviews music and has a podcast and trying to build some kind of a social following. Uh, SOTS, you know, they are those dudes. Sam and Marcos have done more for me in the, my life over the last couple of years than they will ever know about. Um, that being said, uh, last Friday, Sam tweeted from the SOTS account something along the lines of, uh, the closest thing that we have nowadays to Nirvana is MGK. And Brody got ratioed to fucking hell over that. Um, people took the bait. It's not a serious tweet. Um, he later on tweeted a picture of, uh, MGK, Ollie Sykes, and Travis Barker, and it had, like, the, the Spotify playlist template that said, this is Palais Royale. That was infinitely worse than what he said about MGK and Nirvana. Y'all should have ratioed my guy over that tweet, not the other one. Um, and I bring that up lightheartedly because I'm going to be talking about MGK on this episode, and I will be talking about MGK at length next week because that is when the album Mainstream Sellout releases. Um, so, yeah, a lot of Machine Gun Kelly discourse on this show for the next few weeks, for better or for worse. Honestly, probably both. But I'm not ready yet to get to MGK with the singles rundown. We'll get to that in a moment. For right now, I want to make mention of the number one song ranked in Scenic Overlook this past week. That being one of the two new Avoid singles. This one is called Split Kill It. So my journey with Avoid would have began back in 2020 with the Burner EP. Uh, I remember Flashbang being the lead single for that, and it completely like flipped what I thought of Avoid upside down because Avoid had a record prior. I can't remember the name of it, but I did listen to it, and I didn't really really think like 
too highly of it. But the burner was like this complete turnaround for the band. And that trajectory is being maintained with a song like Split Kill It. So this song embodies a lot of like new metal aggression while mixed with contemporary core. Uh, you know, that, that being in the realm of metalcore and post-hardcore, I would say. Um, and then even just like straight up alternative stuff, like the chorus in particular is just so like fluid and melodic and it contrasts the heaviness of the verses ever so fucking well. Um, Avoid, they came back in the biggest of ways last week and this is a band who I want to see more out of this year. I know they can deliver with whatever it is they're going to be doing, whether it's another EP or a new full-length record. Whatever is coming out of Avoid, they are fucking champions at what they're doing right now. Uh, Boy With Uke. I did not know who this man was before last week, but I'm thankful that I know so of his identity now that I've been able to hear the new single called IDGAF. Demons don't hide when I'm dreaming at night And I won't mislead you, you'll miss me Cause I don't give a fuck about you no more Give me bad melodies or I'm kicking down doors You weren't even pretty looking back and I'm sure You still miss me, that's so funny I don't give a fuck about you, you swore You would never talk about me before you there's a part of me that wants to call IDJF an emo hip-hop song, but even then, I feel like that doesn't really cover the ground laid by IDJF all that well. There is so much flair of, like, alternative mixed with emo hip-hop, mixed with just alternative, um, just mixed with, like, emo at the same time. It's very, um, kind of, like, uh, amalgamated in that sense. Is amalgamated a word? I don't know, but let's just say for argument's sake that it is. Um... It's, it, it's a contraption to say the least. Um, it, it's so catchy though. Like, uh, immediately once the chorus comes in, cause I don't give a fuck about you no more. Give me back my hoodies or I'm kicking down doors. You weren't even pretty looking back and I'm sure you still miss me. That's so funny. It's very petty and childish, but like, I adore this negative energy oh so much. Um, Black Bear's feature is like just can't miss the, the way that that guy has been can't miss and does not miss in everything he's ever done in his career. Um, this was such a accomplished collaboration between Boy With Uke and Black Bear. Uh, I, I, I need more of this in my life, for sure. A brand new single from Osatia, Take What You Need. It's always really, really heartwarming to see activity out of Ozatia. So I found them back in 2019. It was in May. I remember that for very specific and personal reasons that I don't really want to elaborate on right now. Um, the song was called Anxiety and it's still a song that like carries so much weight to it, uh, for the trials and tribulations that I have gone through in my life ever since then. Uh, and then, uh, I believe it was at the beginning of 2021 when their guitarist Cole McKenzie passed away tragically and they came back a couple months later with a song called When Will I Learn and the emotion packed into that was fucking just insane uh really difficult song to get through but rewarding at the same time um take what you need I think this one shows Ozatia in 
one of the brightest of lights that they could have possibly returned in. Um, there's a lot of like, uh, hints of maybe 2000s post hardcore and alternative emo music, uh, going on throughout this. It's very throwback while also feeling modernized and feeling like it belongs in this time period. Um, lyrically, it does everything else, or it does everything that other Ozacia songs do in terms of like just how gripping it is. You let me know if I get too close, just say the word, I'll learn to let you go, just say the word and I'll let you go. Take what you need, you've been so guarded, but I know what you feel, I've gotten used to the bitter end. Um, th this song is absolutely incredible, I love it so much. Ozacia, they need more love, they have done more than enough to warrant everyone's attention and I, I, I need to see more hearts out there for Osatia. Uh, Lights, the motherfucking queen of the entire alternative scene. Uh, she's gearing up for a new album called Pep out on April 1st, but the final single in the lead up to that album has been released. It is In My Head featuring Josh Dunn from 21 Pilots. Who declared Lights the queen of alternative music? Uh, me, bitch, that's fucking who. Um, so, there was a lot to go into this single, because it's not just the song they got released, but also the music video, and I don't usually talk about music videos on this show, because, to be honest, I don't really go out of my way to watch a lot of them, but... Uh, Lights, to me, is like a proven entity when it comes to the execution of videos and concepts and that kind of stuff, and In My Head is just one of the funnest, uh, quirkiest little music videos I've seen in a minute, um, just the way it's like so fun and quirky, uh, you know, with the narrative of this being like some, you know, scam that Lights uh, buys into and you see her kind of take on these different uh, larger than life scenarios all while the song is going on in the background the song is fucking incredible um, it has the same kind of like upbeat pop energy to uh, what we've heard with other songs on pep so far like salt and vinegar and prodigal daughter she's just on like another level compared to a lot of her contemporaries right now and in my head in the scenic overlook rankings it was i think fourth or fifth maybe no i think it was fourth um i can already tell y'all like i feel like this one you know was kind of snubbed a bit could it have been higher yes could it have even been number one uh maybe in some headspaces yes but we're just gonna let it sit at number four and that does not intend to take away any of the strength found in, in my head. This song fucking rules. Okay, I kind of went on and on about him earlier. Let's get through this for real right now. Machine Gun Kelly's brand new single featuring Ollie Sykes from Bring Me the Horizon. The song is called Maybe. I try to hide my face like a wanted man. Yeah. Maybe I'll be gone before you count to ten. I made up my mind this evening. I support MGK. I defend MGK. Sure. Um, at the same time, I will say, uh, I, I, okay, I don't really want to like get all of my thoughts out there because 
the album mainstream sellout which is what maybe is part of it drops this week so in one week i will uh get to the episode where i finally get to talk about mgk for an extended period of time so i do want to save some material for that um but uh where was i even going with this before um i do see how it's easy to dunk on mgk and how he doesn't really escape these tropes or he doesn't do enough to try escaping them because the way maybe starts off um it sounds like black hole sun by soundgarden and then you get into some verses and a melody that really reminds me of avalanche by bring me the horizon and then a chorus that reminds me of misery business by paramore and we'll talk later on about him covering misery business and you know what that did to society um he does a lot of this shit to himself. I can acknowledge that. The other thing that I will acknowledge is how much I fuck with the music. And I cannot lie to you guys. I've said before, I will never ever lie to any of you about my opinions. I will never try and hide any sort of guilty pleasures. And MGK, for me, is the embodiment of a guilty pleasure. I like what this guy does. I've fucked with all the singles so far for mainstream sellout. Maybe is... Uh, no pun intended, maybe my favorite so far. Uh, and it's not even like really factoring in the Ollie feature. Ollie is amazing on this song. Ollie is amazing in everything that he does. But this is an MGK song. The song is carried largely by MGK. And I think he did an outstanding job with maybe. And like, I, it's weird. I feel like I should be apologizing for gassing up machine gun kelly but i also feel like i shouldn't because this is my opinion you know if you despise this man for whatever reason yes you're completely completely entitled to have that opinion and i respect everybody's opinion when it comes to mgk because he's such a divisive figure that there's no right or wrong way to look at this um i just feel like i, I i'm in a weird spot in the sense of that i can't um pretend that i'm in alignment with a lot of you guys I like Machine Gun Kelly. I'm sorry, but I do. I talked about Avoid earlier and how their song Split Kill It was the number one ranked song in Scenic Overlook this week. They had another single out. It was Cowabunga. What's crazy is that I feel like between Cowabunga and Split Kill It, this was a song that you were supposed to be paying attention to. It's the one that got the music video. Split Kill It feels like a B-side to Cowabunga, at least the way that uh, that song was uh, released. Cowabunga is fucking amazing. I'm not going to say it's just as good as Split Kill It because... For me personally, there's a reason why Split Kill It got number one and not Cowabunga. But Cowabunga is another display of the sheer talent and brilliance on the part of every member of Avoid. It is thrilling and energizing. The chorus is one of the most captivating and like complete sounding, if that makes any sense, that I've heard out of any band so far in 2022. Avoid, you know, I, I can say this forever and ever, and I mean it every single time, genuinely. Avoid is a band that all of you need to go out of your fucking way this year to find and support and admire, because they're doing some amazing shit right now. Um, Wither Decay. Who are they? I didn't know that before last Friday. I do now because of the new single, Cold Embrace. Let the pain, let the 
Um, their Spotify discography shows a library that extends back to 2017 on an EP called Separation Anxiety. Uh, I am for sure going to find the time soon to listen to not only that, but then also their other standalone singles from the last couple of years because Cold Embrace is out fucking standing, dude. I adore this song about as much as one can find adoration for a piece of music. Um, Cold Embrace, it fits in so well, and I say this a lot with some songs, but it fits in so well with, like, the aged style of post-hardcore with production that modernizes it and makes it sound so fulfilling, for lack of a better way of really phrasing that. Um, I admire the melodic, uh, ambience in the background, the amazing screams, the incredible cleans, the way that everything blends together and creates this post-hardcore beauty in all of the right ways. Um, Wither Decay with this one single showed me a lot of fucking promise. Um, I, I don't really know if they've been consistent with releases as of late, but my selfish hope is that we can see more material out of Wither Decay at a hopefully steady somewhat rapid pace because i need more material in my life if they're going to deliver songs to me the caliber of cold embrace in the future the final single that i will be going in detail on for this episode comes from kenny hoopla and it is dirty white vans I can't remember off the top of my head who had tweeted this initially, so um, all the credit to them for these words. The attention that a lot of people give to Machine Gun Kelly, um, give it to Kenny Hoopla instead. And I mean that with regards to the people who uh, have like a negative opinion towards MGK. Instead of using negative energy to um, you know state your opinions on him, Give your positive energy to Kenny Hoopla because he has been putting out some of the best material in the pop punk revival scene. Um, Dirty White Vans, I would say, you know, it does lean into pop punk revival while at the same time embracing, uh, you know, some more relaxed hip hop elements. I think Dirty White Vans is very, like, cute and quirky. Um, it's so, uh, like, tame in comparison to some of the material that he had on his, uh, mixtape from last year's Survivor's Guilt. Um, and so, so like, uh, the opening line to Dirty White Vans and ultimately the hook of the song, I wrote the Addy to the party on your Dirty White Vans. Just the way that Kenny Hoopla delivers that line, the instrumental backing that accompanies that line, everything about it, like, it creates this chain of events that never once derails through the duration of Dirty White Vans. It's a constant um, pacing and a constant energy that maybe it's not so upbeat in, you know, the most upbeat manners, but... It's just so, so much fun, guys. Kenny Hoopla is this premier artist who, you know, again, if you haven't given the time or attention to him yet, you really, really need to. Because if you miss out on Kenny Hoopla, you're missing out on some fucking quality-ass scene music. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in the reviews on social media. Majin Dance by Akuma6. New Reality by Kaven. All of Us by Dragunder, Psalm of Sedition by Era, Soul Absentia by Era, Profound Morality by Harriet, 
Moonlight by Kaizo featuring Sick Brain, Self Made Black Hole by Landmarks featuring Resolve, Deja Vu by Magnolia Park featuring Action Adventure, Constrict by Mood Ring, False Providence by Monuments featuring Mick Gordon, Out of Sight, Out of Spine by Murals featuring Garrett Russell from Silent Planet, Compliance by Muse, Cleopatra by Nova Twins, Lifetime by Nova Cub, Fear by Our Last Night, Nightmare by Scary Kids, Scaring Kids featuring Spencer Charnis from Ice Nine Kills, Empty Promises by Sever featuring Anne's Okay, A Favorite House Atlantic which is a Coheating Cambria cover by The Seafloor Cinema, Party That Never Ends by Veins featuring Zelly, Lasso by Vukovi, and Lights On by Yours Truly. So, again, another week where none of the singles ranked below a 4 out of 5. So, we're getting a lot of really, really good singles um, in the run that I've been doing for Season 2. And uh, I, I love that for us. I love that for the scene. Let's keep that going. So, this definitely was a more singles-based episode because I went through... Uh, you know, more than a handful of singles right now. I don't know how many exactly, but it was quite a few, more than I normally do, I think. And for the records, this is one of the lighter weeks we've had recently. So there are only four to get through. And I'm going to go ahead and start with the one that was my most anticipated last week, personally, that being Overdrive by Breathe Atlantis. So for just a moment, let me kind of set the stage for Breathe Atlantis as it pertains to like my own attachment for this band and like discovery story, if you will. So um, I found Breathe Atlantis three years ago off of the State of the Scene podcast. It wasn't when the album Soul Made initially released because that album came out January 25th, 2019. Uh, you know what else came out January 5th, 2019? Amo by Bring Me the Horizon, aka my favorite fucking record of all time, aka maybe the biggest reason in the world why this podcast even exists. Let's say for the sake of argument that I even knew about Soulmade back then, there's no way that I would have gotten around to listening to it, and because of its time frame, I probably would have just held off on it constantly. And then at the end of 2019, when Sam and Marcos were doing their top 10 albums of the year, Soulmade was either Marcos... Ninth or his eighth record that year. I can't remember exactly right now, but hearing the praise that he gave that record and Sam joined in too in, um, kind of, um, commending the effort put in by Breathe Atlantis. I went ahead and heard it, um, you know, in the last few days of 2019 and Soulmade left a massively good impression on me. Um, there were so many songs on that record that I still listen to regularly like if they show up on shuffle you know I, I just vibe out to them whatever but there is a song on soulmate called addiction to the worst that is genuinely truthfully among maybe the like top 100 songs i've been able to listen to in the last decade uh addiction to the worst is the fucking pinnacle of breathe atlantis discography in my opinion there was just something about that song, and even if it, you know, takes more than a bit of inspiration from acts like Too Close to Touch or Slaves, it is able to carry with it a weight that I think showed the everlasting potential and um, execution on the part of Breathe Atlantis. 
So, going into this new record cycle, I was immediately kind of thrown for a loop back when the Tatter Trek Overdrive released as the lead single in May of 2021. So, it's already been almost a year since uh, we were introduced to the new era and the new phase of Breathe Atlantis. As far as I can tell, there's nothing drastically different about this band compared to what they were doing with Soulmate as far as the uh, what's on surface. So, like, the lineup isn't that different, uh, if different at all. Um, nothing internally changed about Breathe Atlantis. But uh, Overdrive, the title track, made it clear that this band was heading into a more, like, streamlined metalcore direction because Overdrive... It doesn't really have anything in common with what I heard off of Soulmade. It is heavy, it's energetic, it's fast-paced, it is ferocious. Um, the chorus is also just like really fucking catchy, and um, I would say that what Breathe Atlantis ultimately did with Overdrive, in some ways, just some ways, can be uh, comparable to wage wars most recent efforts through pressure and manic now it does not steer as heavily into radio rock the way that wage war did but just some of the elements that make up overdrive that is what was coming to my mind that was what i could sense as being a possible influence on the overall sound and production of this record what i could notice at least for like my own personal opinions about the album rollout for overdrive was this patterning of a single delivering every aspect I thought it could, and then the following single being good as well, but not as good as what came beforehand. So the title track I mentioned already, Overdrive, that was probably maybe still the best song on the record in my opinion. It was followed up by Savior, which features Eddie Berg from Eminence. Good song, great song even, but I didn't feel the spirit of the, the title track within Savior. Uh, after that came Earthquake, and Earthquake dropped, I want to say December 3rd was when that came out, because I remember kind of like uh, not having a lot of time to decide if that was going to be number one in Scenic Overlook. I think it was like third or fourth. It might have even been second, if I'm being honest. I don't remember exactly, but Earthquake really genuinely did come close to making the top 100 list for 2021. Uh, after that came Changes, featuring Nico from Electric Callboy, and again, good song, just like Savior, but... I would be lying if I said that I felt as strongly for that song as I did Overdrive or even Earthquake. And then the final single beforehand was Break the Silence, which is also the opening song for Overdrive. Um, Break the Silence has this really cool, kind of like, almost like a stop-start thing happening with the instrumentation in the chorus. And I just felt like it perfectly sets the stage for what's going to happen with Overdrive. Um, I should also mention that Break the Silence, um, admittedly, it did... Um, do something similar to what I mentioned last week with Shadows by Wolves at the Gate off of the Eulogies album in the sense that um, it really, really does remind me in some ways of Doomsday by Architects. And, you know, if I had to, like, mention all of the metalcore albums that have ever taken influence from Doomsday or Architects as a whole, um, you know, I could cover the ground of the entire fucking metalcore scene for that, uh, you know, to be honest. Um, but... Uh, Break the Silence is still an exceptional song. Uh, there's a run of songs in Overdrive that kind of were just the single. So it goes Break the Silence into Overdrive, into Savior, into Earthquake. It's not until track five, Dead and Gone, that you get original material from the band as far as like what wasn't given singles treatment. Um, and I do like Dead and Gone. I think it's a really good song. But I kind of want to give my thoughts on that track in conjunction with Heavy Hearts, which is the song following that. 
um, because I think they act really, really similarly to one another. And by that point, I kind of figured with the album, like, okay, there weren't a ton of chances taken with the material here. It plays the metalcore genre very safely, and that's not bad necessarily, because Breathe Atlantis are able to deliver metalcore uh, just as good as any other band out there in the scene, maybe better than a lot of them. Um, but coming off of Soulmade three years ago, I, and the way that that album made me feel at various points in its runtime, I didn't really have that kind of a connection to some of the material here, and you know, Dead and Gone and Heavy Hearts being the moment where I kind of realized that. Uh, the eighth song, Gates of Hell, I kind of think also lies within that realm, and I was, I don't want to say souring on the record at that point, but I was kind of just thinking in my head, this doesn't do everything that I had hoped it would, but the the, the good news in all this, at least again as it pertains to my own take on the record, is that with track 9 out there, I think what you see is... Uh, Breathe Atlantis showing hints of, um, more innovation with what they're doing with Metalcore. Um, out there, it has one of the best courses on the entire album. It's a course that is very, very safe and tame. But, um, again, it just kind of works so well with this new style of Breathe Atlantis. I think Out There is one of the shining moments on Overdrive. And then the closing track, Going Down. I, okay, so I've already made the comparisons to Wage War and Architects when discussing the overall nature of Overdrive. I'm going to throw I Prevail out there, and I know that might, you know, potentially turn people away from wanting to hear this record because maybe some people don't have a necessarily favorable opinion of I Prevail. But I will say that when I, when I mention like I Prevail, I mean just in the way that some of going down is paced. Um, the first portion of the track is particularly slow, especially in comparison to other songs on here like Overdrive or Earthquake. But it's the way that going down is built up within itself that I think is able to kind of elevate it into the top tier of the material here on Overdrive. Um, and so I was able to exit the album on a really good note, and that was necessary because, again, some way midway through, I was kind of thinking in my head, I don't really know where I stand on this album right now. I would kind of compare it to um, Slow Boda by Siamese and how I was, at the time, a little bit puzzled on what to think about it, and maybe, um, ultimately, still, did I say Slow Boda? It's called Home. Slow Boda is one of the tracks on it. Um... But with that Siamese album, I I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. And I kind of feel the same way about Breathe Atlantis, while acknowledging that it is still an exceptionally good metalcore album. I think Breathe Atlantis did a lot of really neat things on here. And my gripes with it only come from my attachment to Soulmade and the fact that I don't have that same level of a connection to Overdrive. But I don't want my opinion to be clouded by my uh, adoration for Soulmade. I think that... Overdrive is still really good. It's still an album that every Metalcore fan should go out of their way to hear. And we'll see throughout the rest of the year how it holds up. I'll just say that. Uh, let's dial time back a bit because this next band uh, has been around longer than I've been alive. So it's a little bit strange to be talking about them, but that's what we're going to do now. Uh, Fill the Void by Hot Water Music. This was kind of a little bit of a trip for me because 
I have heard of Hot Water Music before, and honestly, I, I have listened to their music before. Um, nothing like religiously, but just here and there, uh, the name Hot Water Music has come up in uh, certain playlists and uh, radios for Spotify and things like that that I've um, dabbled into in the past. Um, so again, they are older than I am. This band was formed in 1993. Uh, everybody who hears this show right now, what were you doing in 1993? Um, if you were not conceived yet, I feel old, even though I wasn't conceived yet either. I don't know where I'm going with this, but let's just pretend that it's going somewhere. So Hot Water Music, they, uh, they, they, they've been around. So you can tell that just by, you know, obviously the length of time of their tenure, but then also the names that are listed in the associated acts for Hot Water Music on the Wikipedia page, uh, the Flatliners, Against Me, Senses Fail, Bouncing Souls, Alkaline Trio, um, they have a spot in like punk rock and emo and post-hardcore history that gets overlooked like substantially. Um, I'm going to check real quick how many monthly listeners Hot Water Music actually have on Spotify. And whatever the number is, I know it's not going to mirror the tenure of this band. And I say tenure with the knowledge that they actually have like kind of been on and off since 93. Uh, they broke up in 98 and then, or 96 rather, got back together in 97, broke up again in 06. And then from 08 to now, they have at least remained somewhat consistent, I think. Um... Oh yeah, I was gonna check them on uh on Spotify. Hot water music. Uh let's see. Um two hundred and twelve thousand nine hundred and thirty-nine listeners. So again, does not whatsoever mirror the tenure of this band and just what they've actually been able to do. Um so I didn't really know what I was gonna get into when going into Hot Water Music. This is their first release under Equal Vision Records. Their first since lighted up back in 2017, which I don't believe I ever listened to. Um, but yeah, just getting into the material for Feel the Void, you open with Another Breath, and I think what this song does is it kind of lays out some of the groundwork that makes up Hot Water Music, not all of it. I wouldn't say this song steers into, like, punk and emo the same way that a lot of the other material on Feel the Void does, but it's a good way to kind of just get to know Hot Water Music if this is your first time hearing them, and, you know, it's possible that that's the case for a lot of people who are checking out Feel the Void. Um... You can sense like the almost like a DIY nature to what they're doing. The production on it, it's not rough necessarily, but it's not so polished and fine-tuned the way that a lot of releases nowadays are or like the way that artists prefer for their music to sound. So it does give Feel the Void, and I guess in this particular instance, another breath, the sense that you know, maybe it could have been made in the early to mid-90s when this band was initially formed. Um, but at the same time, it also feels like it belongs in this era, in this generation, which is a little bit strange. But I do admire what Hot Water Music accomplished on that end. Um, and, you know, going back to the, the DIY nature and the production on this uh, song and record, you can hear, like, the, the way that the vocals uh, sound so, like, I guess raw, for lack of a better way of phrasing it. Um, Chuck Reagan and Chris Wallard, what they were able to do with, uh, again, another breath, but also feel the void at large was just like kind of mirror what a live, um, setting would sound like for them. Um, there's like really not much filtering. There's no, 
uh, you know, heavy layering over their voices, and it really, really lends itself to the overall sound of Feel the Void. Killing Time, the second song, that is where the punk nature of Hot Water Music starts to show a little bit more on the surface. Um, it's a little bit fast paced. It does pick up, uh, you know, some of the energy off of another breath. Um, I, I think it's a good way to show a different, slightly different for that matter, side to Hot Water Music coming off of another breath. Um, the third song, Newtown Scraper, that was where I personally looked at this album and Hot Water Music as a whole and just thought to myself like, okay, there's a lot more substance to this album and this band overall that I anticipated coming into this record and being exposed to. Um, Newtown Scraper, just from the opening uh, bass line in that track, it's able to set itself apart from the other songs on Feel the Void and like really not only mirror emo music of the 90s but then also feel like this time capsule that you're opening and you're being shown like just shoved into your face so many of the emo and alternative acts over the course of generations so you know I'm talking not just like um um Sunday Day Real Estate, but then also maybe Jimmy Eat World, maybe Hawthorne Heights, maybe Against Me, um, just to try and think of a more recent example, maybe in some ways Hail the Sun, like I can just kind of hear some of these little elements being thrown into Newtown Scraper and it feels so like driven by the timeline if that makes any sense and I was able to grow this immediate attachment to Newtown Scraper. After I finished Fill the Void, like, honestly, guys, I went back to Newtown Scraper immediately, and I listened to that song so many times over the weekend, and then the course of the last couple of days leading up to me recording this episode, Newtown Scraper is the biggest of highlights on Fill the Void, and I don't believe it's even close. Uh, after Newtown Scraper, I think the album does a good enough job at kind of, uh, like balancing some of the more melodic stuff from Hot Water Music while also balancing the punk rock side of their act. So uh, after Newtown Scraper, you get Habitual, which slows things down slightly, but um, the melody carried within Habitual, I think, is able to kind of make it another standout song on Fill the Void. Uh, Collector Things and Run, um, you know, a great sounding punk rock song. Same thing with uh, the title track, which comes in at track number seven. Um, Heart Stay Full, which is track six. That's another one where you kind of get a, um, not really a slow take on the nature of Feel the Void, but it just feels like so well paced without, uh, being, without possessing the energy of some songs earlier on, like Newtown Scraper or, uh, Collector Things and Run. Um, the eighth song, Turn the Dial. That one actually has lead vocal duties taken over by Chris Cresswell, who uh, is a member of the Flatliners, but then he joined Hot Water Music um, later on into the band's tenure, like very, very later on. Um, and he, he does an amazing job with that track. I think it's another like really uh, exceptional part of Feel the Void. And then um, I will go ahead and get into maybe my biggest gripe with the album, uh, if you want to call it a gripe. Uh, so, track number 10, Scratch On, that one is maybe the most emblematic song on the record of, like, punk rock, I, I guess along with Collector's Things and Run, but Scratch On, it feels like this would have been the perfect closer for the record, um, and then you get tracks 11 and 12, which are Ride High and Lock Up. I truthfully do believe that this album is two songs too long. I hear Ride High and Lock Up, and... 
I don't necessarily hear anything that, um, you know, sounds as compelling as the prior material. They're good songs. I, I don't mind them in the slightest, but I just feel like Feel the Void might have felt like a more complete album had those two songs just, you know, maybe been left in the drafts for lack of a better, nicer way of really phrasing it. Um, but I can't ultimately complain about what I got to hear off of Feel the Void because it's an album that maybe I'm not gonna, you know, hold it in as high regard to some of the other albums I've been able to listen to this year, like, um, Under Oath or Varsity or Bad Omens or Avril Lavigne. Um, but what I will be able to do with Feel the Void is say that I heard an album that, um, maybe should not have existed. Uh, you know, we're almost at fucking 30 years since Hot Water Music initially formed, and they just delivered an album that, uh, you know, more often than not, fucking delivered and fucking hit, man. Um, you know, Feel the Void, it's got a lot of great songs on it. Newtown Scraper is maybe one of my favorite songs all year so far from any act. And in, th in that sense, I think Hot Water Music overachieved, and there was nothing that I regret whatsoever when it comes to my experience listening to Feel the Void. Um, so there's a, I guess you want to call it a solo project on the part of Joshua Travis, who is currently in Emure. Um, he has an EP out right now. It's called No Rest. So like I had just stated, Joshua is currently a member of Emure, but for like 15 years now, the guy has made his way around the scene. Um, he's previously been involved with Glass Cloud, Monuments, and the Tony Danza Tap Dance Extravaganza. And what I will say is Joshua is just immensely talented. I don't think there's any way that anybody can listen to what he's done with Emure or this solo album and feel like disappointed or let down by the quality of musicianship on the part of Joshua Travis. He's a goddamn animal. Like there's really no other way to put it. He, uh, you know, I, I remember him joining Emure a couple years ago and look at yourself was the first album he was involved in. And I, I think there's a reason why the quality of material with Emure has just exponentially increased since Joshua joined the band. Not that Emir was bad beforehand, but Look At Yourself was the first time that I really got to appreciate an Emir album beyond just thinking that it was good. Um, and then even Hindsight, which came out back in 2020, that one I, I think is kind of maybe a forgettable album, you know, a, a combination of the time period that it released at the start of the pandemic, and then also just a, a mountain of other releases, and then Emure not really being able to tour Hindsight when it dropped. Um, that made it kind of forgettable, but I cannot forget what Joshua was able to provide with that album, and how fucking amazing his work on it sounds. Um, one of the biggest, or maybe the biggest, uh, selling point of No Rest, aside from just being Joshua's, uh, solo project, comes from the fact that every song has featured guest artists. So, the ensemble that makes up No Rest is genuinely goddamn fucking impressive. So, the first song, Web of Lies, it features Andy Sizik from, you know, bands like Monuments and, um, uh, Mac Macari. 
So, Macari, yeah. Um, and it also has a uh, Stephen Toronto, who is a member of the band The Helix Nebula. Um, Leviathan, track number two, has Chad Capper, who is in uh, Frontier and A Dark Orbit, as well as Ryo Kinoshida, who is in Crystal Lake. Track number three, Disdain, has uh, members of Polaris, Jamie Halls, and Jake Steinhauser. Track number four, Parallel, has Jake Wolf, who is in Reflections, and Daniela Bolin, who I don't believe she's attached to a project right now. Um, she is a guitarist. Uh, if she actually is in a band, I apologize for fucking that up. Um, and then the final song, uh, All Out War, has Ryan Kirby from Fit for a King. So Joshua, the, the, again, ensemble that he was able to put together for no rest. This is fucking star studded. Like this is an all-star lineup of musicians within metalcore. Um, and I, I was genuinely excited to listen to the material on here. And, you know, the singles beforehand, like Web of Lies or Leviathan, um, they definitely hit and they, pack everything that i expected no rest to um so my issue with the album and i i definitely do feel weird citing this as like a complaint or a a, an area where joshua travis could have improved in because who the fuck am i to be telling anybody especially somebody as talented and gifted as joshua where to improve in anything um the the production on the album is, or the EP I'm sorry uh the production is very strange and it does leave a lot to be desired I kind of felt like I was being taken out of the material a lot of times in my experience with No Rest because of how it's produced and mixed and I'm not somebody who should be complaining about those facets of music because you know, one of my favorite albums of all time is The Better Days by Slaves, now Rain City Drive. And anybody who has heard that album will tell you that the production and mixing on it is kind of fucked in a lot of ways. But I still really, really like that album. Like, genuinely, really fucking love it. And No Rest, I kind of came out of it just liking it. Um, the, the production stuff, it, it was, almost too much of um of a hindrance for me to try and oversee or try to just ignore and forget about um there are so many really really cool moments on no rest like just for example the breakdown towards the end of leviathan and you know who like who have i become to gas up a breakdown um uh, this song is fucking sick and i really really do like what was happening with a song like leviathan but the production, again, is just an area that I couldn't really um, o- overlook, I guess, in my experience with uh, No Rest. Um, m- maybe it was intentionally done, but regardless, it, it, it didn't um, succeed in every way that I would have liked for it to have. So w- with all that being said, I don't really foresee myself going back to no rest anytime soon um but if you don't mind like the production on something or the way it sounds uh and you just want like that fucking you know thunderous metalcore nature um no no rest is gonna be for you like this uh, the ep is everything that you could ask for
the final album being talked about for today's episode uh this is my first time ever hearing this band and it was a genuinely wonderful surprise to get to enjoy this album the way that i did walls of mirrors by overgrow No prior knowledge of this band, had not spent any time with any of the singles for Overgrow, didn't know about them until Friday, or maybe it was even Saturday, I can't remember exactly, um, but I do know that this was a State of the Scene endorsed album on social media, or at least I assume it was endorsed because they did retweet uh, the album's release tweet, um, and so I went ahead and checked out on Spotify um, the artists, um, the artist page, so Overgrow, and the section where it says fans also like or fans also listen to, whatever that actually is, um, phrased as. And the poll of artists here is genuinely puzzling and intriguing. Um, Glacier Veins, Youth Fountain, Super American, um, uh, where was it? Uh, Mayfield, Wither Away, Young Culture. Um, a, a lot of bands that I genuinely enjoy, but I wouldn't associate all of them with each other. So Glacier Veins, um, they actually, you know, kind of embody almost like an indie rock sound. Um, Mayfield, like, very much so, you know, throwback post-hardcore. Um, Wither Away, a, a mixture of metalcore and post-hardcore. Young Culture and Youth Fountain, Pop Punk, uh, like, there was so much happening with that recommended section that it made it impossible to actually pinpoint what uh, Wall of Mirrors was going to sound like. And ultimately, I don't think it sounds anything like any of those bands. I think uh, what Overgrow achieved with Walls of Mirrors was delivering this very, very, very fucking somber and melodic, almost at times draining emo record like that's ultimately what i got out of this album the experience begins with way down as the first track and way down is like this entirely acoustic song that feels like muted or, or muffled in some ways when it comes to the execution of it and the way that it was delivered and it's just very like kind of creepy while also being strangely comforting in a weird way uh, towards the end of Way Down, you start to hear like this static outro that contrasts the somber nature of Way Down, and that transitions fucking perfectly into Spread Thin. Um, with Spread Thin, the rest of the band comes into the track, and the overall sound of Overgrow is expanded upon and built on, and so with this song, um, Movements was kind of the the um the tone that i was getting but not really like um so like um how do i want to say this um it, it takes some elements of feel something and then some elements of no good left to give with the not not a more emo take because that's kind of impossible to be more emo than movements but it's just done in a way that it feels so, like, tired and draining and worn down, like, as if spread thin and then ultimately the rest of the album was just, like, kind of p 
punished over and over again and what you're getting are, is just the remnants of a human and not necessarily somebody who is able to get across everything that they believe in or what is in their heart if any of that rambling makes any kind of sense um and then you get into the, the third song three years and at that point the picture becomes a little bit more clear and aside from just being emo there is like a hint of like a shoegaze sound and you know bands like uh gleamers or um soft cult i can hear some of you know that potential influence coming across um and three years is so just beautiful and it's the kind of beauty that feels like it should be painful at the same time. It's like there's something so almost malevolent about the way that this album gets across its charming nature. It, it, it's so like I shouldn't really be enjoying this the way that I do because it, it kind of stings and it hurts. But it's so goddamn beautiful. It, it, it's as if you were like walking through this like field of roses, but all of the roses are, um, you know, desaturated and it's just so, um, like kind of like this weird ass paradise that it, it's hard to explain. This band is also able to do something, um, really weird. Uh, everything is weird about this album, but another particularly weird area is how catchy the choruses are without really implementing, you know, this abundance of melody or like repeating riffs. It's not catchy the same way that, you know, some other stuff I've talked about earlier, like Avoid is catchy or Breathe Atlantis can be catchy. Overgrow is catchy in the sense that it is just being so open and blunt and the the way that the vocals get across and mixing that with the instrumentation it just happens to be mixed in this really infectious and like slowly head nodding manner um there is a back-to-back -back run on the album visiting and time moves slow that is able to like perfectly and successfully scale everything back visiting is another one of those songs like way down uh, the opener where it's so slow and acoustic based and almost you know muffled again at times in its delivery that transitions into time moves slow and yeah time moves slow it's definitely uh you know not one of the more accelerated tracks on um uh walls of mirrors but it just kind of has like a like you can't pull yourself away from it you can't uh, stop listening to it it has this addictive nature that is hard to like really really get across um the songs the pain you know and spit feel like they work as one and as if this was like a almost like a two-part song the pain you know it really like kind of um you know walks towards the edge of the concept between that song and spit and it never jumps off the ledge it never actually takes that full dive it just kind of shows you what could happen and then once spit comes in which kind of has like no intro it immediately gets into the material um that is where the concept found in the pain you know really you know just kind of flourishes and takes that dive and spreads its wings per se and is able to just like soar in the most elegant and beautiful and strangely creepy ways possible um the closing song which is the title track i don't know if this was intentionally done if it was like a, a production mishap but um the amplification on this song is higher 
than anything else on uh, Walls of Mirrors. So by that, I mean the volume is higher. It's definitely a louder song, not heavier or faster in any way. It's literally louder. Um, and I don't know if that was kind of um, Overgrow's way of like really putting that exclamation point on Walls of Mirrors and really showing the listener that this is the conclusion of this really strange yet enigmatic journey that the listener had just been taken on. Walls of Mirrors, it's one of those albums that it's almost like an RPG video game in the sense of like, I go back to it and every single time I do so, I'm able to find something new that I didn't hear beforehand. So like, there's always something to discover with Walls of Mirrors. And in that sense, it feels like this expanding piece of work and like never ending in a way. Um, I, I've been able to go back to it time and time again. And for an album that is this like mellowed out, it is strange for me to find, you know, uh, comfort and tranquility within this material. Um, because, you know, shoegaze, that doesn't really appeal to me in all the ways possible. Um, emo music is sometimes difficult to get through because of the, um, the torturous nature of its lyricism and subject matter more often than not. But Walls of Mirrors is able to deliver to me these ideas in a really, um, violently beautiful way and maybe that's not the best uh choice of words to use when describing walls of mirrors but that's kind of what's just coming to my mind that is what i'm able to sense overgrow delivered this exceptional body of work that uh, again i'm able to go in and dig through time and time again and find new reasons to love and champion the way that i do and that was it that was every album and ep and single from last week that i had to talk about um, it was a good week, really, really good week, uh, even if it wasn't so, like, um, you know, stacked with the records, it was, uh, it was, it was fun to get through, I, I enjoyed pretty much everything I got to hear, and then now, we are on the road to mainstream sellout, and MGK, and, um, n- next week's episode's gonna be, um, I, I think it's gonna be fun, I, um, th- there's going to be a lot to get through and we'll try to get through it as effectively as we can and just hope for the best, I suppose. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.